and thank you Sandy for those kind words of welcome and it's always a joy and a pleasure to come here to meet with you good folks not on tonight but the Lord will in for the next uh, two Sundays now would you turn with me to the very first book of the Bible which of course is the book of Genesis and the very first chapter And Genesis 1, and verse 1, says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now, when I was born way back in 1900 and mend your own business, <laughs> my, my parents gave me the name Stanley. They, they never told me why they called me Stanley, but I've been stuck with it uh, ever since. And if you're a parent, you know, of course, that when we have a family, uh, sometimes not much thought goes into naming our sons and our daughters. I could be wrong if I'm wrong. In your case, I humbly apologize. But sometimes if a little boy is born, well, we'll call him after an uncle. Little girl, we'll call her after an aunt. Sometimes not much thought goes into giving names to our family. But when we come to think of God one of the ways in which he has revealed himself is through his names his titles because every name and every title is an insight a revelation of some part of his character and of his being and one of the ways to get to know God is to get to know his names and what we're going to do this evening and the Lord willing the next two Sundays we're going to have a look at some of the names of God especially as they appear in chronological order and this evening, we're going to have a look at the very first name that God has been pleased to reveal himself by. And here it is in Genesis chapter 1, in which it says, In the beginning, God. And if you take the time to read the whole chapter, you will discover that the name God is used nearly in every verse of the chapter. It's mentioned 32 times in the chapter. God said, God saw, and so forth. Now that's very interesting, because that's the very first name that God has been pleased to reveal himself to us 
Now then, you will of course know, you Bible eggheads here in Moody'sburn, that the, the Bible wasn't written in English. What you have in front of you, what I have in front of me, is a translation. Because originally the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. And we're greatly indebted to men of ability that was able to go to the original scriptures in Hebrew and Greek and to translate them from Hebrew and from Greek into English so that we can read the Bible of course if you know Hebrew or know Greek well then you could read the original scriptures but for most of us we are greatly indebted to men who took the time and the trouble to translate from the original into English now of course the problem when you change or translate from one language into another is sometimes you, you, you lose the significance of the original language because you go from one language onto another. And sometimes what we have to do in the Bible, we have to go, to go back to the original language and to understand and to see what it meant originally and here's an example here in Genesis 1 verse 1 it says in the beginning God but the Hebrew name that is used that is translated God is the name Elohim and that's the Hebrew name that is used originally in the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth translated as God in the English version now not only is that name Elohim mentioned 32 times in chapter 1 of Genesis but it's used 2,500 times in the Bible over and over and over again 2,500 times you have the name Elohim it's a tremendous name Daddy, how do you spell it? Uh, it's uh, E-L-I-O-H-I-M Elohim E-L-O-H-I-M Elohim now what does this name Elohim convey to us about the person of God because every name, every title is an insight, a revelation of some part of God's character. Well, tonight we're going to concentrate on three things. We're going to see that the name Elohim reminds us of three great truths concerning God. We're going to see, first of all, that by the name Elohim he is the eternal God 
And then secondly we're going to see he is the omnipotent God. And then lastly we shall see he is the triune God. And that's the three great facts that is conveyed to us by this awesome name of Elohim. Now I hope you brought your thinking caps this evening dear friends. Because this first truth that is revealed to us by Elohim reminds us that he is the eternal God. And I have to confess personally that this is one of the attributes and the characteristics of God that I find difficult to grasp. Why is that? For the simple reason we are used to things having a beginning. You had a beginning. I had a beginning. The universe had a beginning. The world had a beginning. So we're used to things commencing, beginning. But when we think of, the, of God, we're thinking of someone who never had a beginning. And we find that difficult to grasp. And whether you think in, in thousands of years, millions of years, billions of years, trillions of years, in the past, there never was a time in which God wasn't. Go in the opposite direction, there never shall come a time in the future in which God shall cease to be. He is the eternal God. Now is that something to try and grasp tonight, the eternality of God? No beginning, no ending. And that is why us mortals find that difficult, because we're used to thing having a beginning. But let me show you this. Dip over to Deuteronomy, chapter 33, please. Deuteronomy, chapter 33. And here's a lovely verse. And it's verse 27. And here's what it says. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, destroy them. Notice the opening part. The eternal God is thy refuge. Notice the adjective describing the noun. The eternal God. What clearer scripture could you have about God's eternality? The eternal God is your refuge. Now then, go to Psalm 90, please. Psalm 90. Now, when we think of the book of Psalms, we always associate them with David. Now you have 150 psalms in the Psalter, but David did not write all the psalms. He wrote about 70 of the psalms. 
And here in Psalm 90 is one not written by David, but written by Moses. And this could be the oldest psalm in the book of Psalms. Psalm 90. And Moses is actually praying. Look at verse 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Notice this. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. There you have it. There you have the past eternity from everlasting. There you have the future eternity to everlasting. Thou art God. So when you think of the name Elohim in future, remember this. It reminds us, it teaches us that he is the eternal God. Never had a beginning and never will have an ending. That's your heavenly father. That's my heavenly father. He is the eternal God. Now, the second truth that is revealed to us by the name Elohim is this. He is the omnipotent God. It says in Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Again, we go back to the original language. And the Hebrew word for created is the word bara, B-A-R-A, bara. That's the Hebrew word translated to created in the English version. Now here's the interesting thing. The word bara is always associated with God. Now why is that? Because of the significance of the word bara. Now what does it mean? <laughs> Try and get your mind around this. The word bara means to create something out of nothing. That is not very interesting. To create something out of nothing. Now, Sandy, could I use you, you as an illustration? Could I use you anyway, brother? <laughs> if I were to say to Sandy, Sandy, I've heard that you are handy with your hands, do it yourself stuff, I wonder would you do me a wee job? And he would say, Sandy, Sandy, no problem, what do you want? I would say, Sandy, I wonder would you make me a, a, a lovely table? And I give him the measurements. And then Sandy would say, well, I, no problem. Um, I'll go along and I'll, I'll get the wood, I'll get all the stuff to make your table. But I say, Sandy, wait a minute. You're not going to get any stuff. You're not going to get any wood. I want you to to produce me a table without any materials. He would say, 
How dark can you get, Stanley? How can I make something without the materials to make it with? Give me the wood, give me the hammer, give me the nails, and I'll try and make some sort of table. Oh, no, son, you'll get no materials. I want you to produce me a table. Well, even Sandy, with all his great abilities, there's no way, there's no way that Sandy could make me a table without any materials. He needs wood, he needs nails, he needs all these things. He couldn't do it. But God, because he is omnipotent, all-powerful, he created something out of nothing. Because it starts in the beginning. And we ask ourselves the question, in the beginning of what? In the beginning of everything apart from God. In the beginning of the world, the solar system, the planets, the universe. Before this happened, there was absolutely nothing save the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They lived in eternity past. But God decided that he's going to create the world, create the universe. And it happened at the beginning. But God had no pre-existing materials. So you see the interesting significance of the word Barba. God was going to create something out of nothing. Now I know of course the scientists speak of the Big Bang Theory 17.5 billion years ago. Ah, that's how the universe started, the Big Bang Theory. But of course as Christians we believe what the Bible teaches. The world didn't happen by chance, didn't happen with the Big Bang Theory. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There you see the omnipotence of God. How powerful he must be. Because he had, he had but to speak. And things happened. Let it be light. And there was light. And Genesis chapter 1 is a record of how God brought this great world of ours and the universe into existence. Now, of course, the atheistic scientists, uh, they wouldn't believe a word I've just said. Oh, no, they say, that's, not, that's nonsense. We can't believe that. We're living in the 21st century. We're men of intelligence. We've been to Oxford. We've been to Cambridge and all these great universities. We can't accept that. Oh, no, it's a big bang theory. But we believe Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Doesn't this blow your mind this evening? It blows my mind to think of his etiology and then to think of his omnipotence, all-powerful. 
because if someone is omnipotent well that means to say there's nothing too hard for him we think it difficult somebody couldn't make that table without pre-existing materials but God, but God in this wonderful way brought the universe into existence when there was nothing what an amazing tremendous fantastic God we have this evening he's your father and he's my father so Elohim speaks of us that he is the eternal God speaks of us secondly that he is the omnipotent God but then thirdly it reminds us that he is the triune God again we go back to the, to the Hebrew Elohim it ends in I am that signifies that it is in the plural not the singular in the plural now here's something very interesting in the beginning God Elohim plural but it's followed by a singular verb created now go back to your English days do you remember the significance of that does that jog your memory what's it showing it's showing trinity in unity in the beginning Elohim plural created singular the heavens and the earth now this is the very first hint of the Trinity because it's in the plural now in the Hebrew the numbers you have the singular you have the dual two but then you've got the plural three or more and this lovely name Elohim is in the plural more than one now go down to Genesis chapter 1 and look at verse 26 Genesis 1.26 Here's what it says And God said Let us make man in our image After our likeness And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea And over the fowl of the air And over the cattle And over all the earth And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth And God said Let us Now tell me Who's he speaking to? let us make man he's not speaking to the angels for the simple reason we're not made of the image of angels but wonder of all wonders if I could reverently say they're having a conference the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and Elohim says let us let us make man in our image after our likeness so there's the first hint that our God is a triune God Father Son and Holy Spirit now let me show you this let's go to John's Gospel chapter 1 John's Gospel chapter 1 and here's what John says in the beginning was the Word 
That's the whole logos. And the word was with God. I must stop there. <laughs> Again, we'll go back to the original language. Forgive me if I'm thinking to be very technical this evening, but you'll see the significance. And the word was with God. Now, the preposition that John uses in the original is an interesting preposition. It's, it means, and the word was facing, was face to face with God. See the significance? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was face to face with God, and the Word was God. Firstly, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So the Son was there way at the beginning of the creation. Now, like that with John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Now when we think of the Lord's Prayer, we usually think of the prayer, Our Father which art in heaven. But that's not really the Lord's Prayer. That's the disciples' prayer. That's the pattern, the model of how we should pray. John chapter 17 gives us really the Lord's Prayer. John chapter 17. The Lord praying to his Father. And look at verse 24. He says, Father, I will that they which thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. Notice this. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Now link that verse with verse 5 of chapter 17, the same chapter. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. What powerful scriptures they are. And they show us that the Son was there at the very beginning of creation. He was there. But also, the Holy Spirit was there. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Here's a very interesting scripture. Hebrews 9, and look at verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer Spring the unclean, sanctify to the purified of the flesh. Notice this. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Notice the eternal spirit. Look at Genesis 1 and verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the Son was there, and the Holy Spirit was there. And when the Lord said, Let us make man, he's referring to the Son, referring to the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Elohim, triune God, the first hint that God is a trinity.
Now, if you speak to the Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe in the Trinity, and they accuse us of believing in three gods. Oh, you say, you believe in three gods. We don't. We believe in one God, but eternally existed in three persons. You're probably saying, Stanley, I can't understand. Never can I. And I'm glad that I can't understand it, because if I, this poor creature, could understand that, uh, well then, there's not much of a mystery. And here's what the Apostle Paul said, with his great intellect. He says, and without controversy, great, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Oh, friends, we're in deep waters this evening. Are you struggling? I'm struggling. But uh, it's the very first name that God uses to describe himself. Elohim, the eternal God, the omnipotent God, and the triune God. We are Trinitarians. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, co-equal and co-eternal. Do you remember the Lord giving the Great Commission, Matthew 28? Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the apostolic benediction at the end of Second Corinthians? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Some time ago I was um, in the Glow Centre in Motherwell and I was speaking to this woman and she was from the, the Lark Hall Baptist Church and she says, could I ask you a question? And somehow people think when you preach that you are a walking Bible encyclopedia that has all the answers and people ask me questions I have to be honest and say, I'm sorry, I, I don't know. And they look surprised. They think I've got all the I don't have the, all the answers. And this woman asked me a question. She said, I wonder, could you help me? I said, well, I'll do my best. She says, is it okay to pray to the Holy Spirit? And without any hesitation, I said, my dear, you can pray to the Holy Spirit. You can worship Him. You can praise Him because He's God. Co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. You see, she's a bit guilty. Can I pray to the Holy Spirit? Of course you can. Because that benediction, the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Tell me, do you pray to Him? Do you worship him? Do you praise him? Do you talk to him? I hope you do. Because he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to enter into fellowship with him. Just as you do with the Father and the Son. And dear friends, do we realize the great debt we owe to the Holy Spirit? Tell me, who was it that convicted you of your sins before you got saved? It was the Holy Spirit. Who was it that showed to you your need of a saviour? 
it was the Holy Spirit. Who showed to you the, 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 the glory and the uniqueness and the all-sufficiency of the Son of God to save you? It was the Holy Spirit. Who was it that drew you to the Saviour? It was the Holy Spirit. I tell you, who was it that regenerated you and made you a new creature in Christ Jesus? It was the Holy Spirit. Oh, the tremendous debt we owe to him. Only eternity will reveal how much we owe to him. And Jesus came and stayed for 33 years on earth. The Holy Spirit came the day of Pentecost nearly 2,000 years ago and he's still here. He's still here. And if I could say this very reverently, he's done a great job. Because Jesus said, when he comes, the Comforter, the Paracletus, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. And then he says these words, he shall glorify me. And have you ever noticed, the Holy Spirit never draws attention to himself. He always puts the focus, the spotlight upon Jesus. And if we're filled with the Spirit, we won't draw attention to ourselves. No, we shall say, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the words. What a tremendous name, Elohim. Well, I think that's enough for the night. <laughs> to keep you thinking, keep you going, you see. The Lord will next week, we're going to think of the next name that we have in the book of Genesis. What is it? Well, look it up for yourselves and see